Hello everyone and welcome back to Identity Architects, the podcast that's dedicated to spotlighting individuals who are changing the way that data is used to deliver better customer experiences. I'm your host Ben Cicchetti and for this episode our SVP of Sales for Northern Europe and Italy, Stu Coleman, had the opportunity to sit down and chat with Lara Islan, Director of Data Strategy at ITV. This is an amazing listen. Every opportunity I've had to hear Lara speak, it's always insightful, powerful and inspiring. So I'm thrilled that we had the opportunity to bring Lara onto the podcast. Stu and Lara have a great conversation, covering everything from how Lara got started in data, ITV's first party data strategy, and where the world of broadcast TV is heading. Before I hand it over to Stu, a quick reminder to hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode of Identity Architects lands. But without any further delay, here's Stu and Lara. Great. I'm really pleased to uh, to welcome Lara to the latest edition of uh, Identity Architects. Um, I'm personally super pleased to uh, to be speaking to Lara today. She and I have uh, worked kind of with each other, alongside each other, bumped into each other for quite a number of years now, um, and it's always been a really pleasurable experience. She's one of the uh, um, brightest and most engaging people I think I know in the industry. So I'm really looking forward to kind of learning a bit more about her today and um, kind of get her story and her journey through. Uh, through kind of data and, and uh, the industry we work in. So, um, Lara, just to start off with, do you want to just give us uh, uh, a couple of minutes or a minute or so, kind of intro to yourself, who you are, what you do, where you come from, etc. And then we're going to jump into some quick fire questions and then uh, a little bit more in depth around uh, the subject we're talking about today. Brilliant. Um, thank you so much, Stuart. That was a really, really warm welcome. I actually, I was scratching my head last night, wondering how long, in fact, we've we've known each other, and I think it must be somewhere between twelve and fifteen years. We were um, mere, mere babies at the time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> In the early, early days of you know all of this um, kind of data and programmatic um, uh, journey that we've been on, uh, it's, I'm so delighted uh, to be here. So happy to be here. I had a look at you know your previous podcast speakers and conversations. Um, while I was preparing for this, actually, and uh, honestly, it's it's such a fantastic lineup, and I'm really honoured to be invited and to be included. So thank you. No, it's our pleasure. With an hour. I um, so I'll introduce myself um, uh, briefly. I so Lara Islan. I'm currently director of data strategy at ITV. Um, I've worked in digital media for for many years. Um, uh, you're paying attention, it'll be more than 15 because I did start before I met Stu. Um, and uh, for the most part, I've worked across many different um, companies and um, uh, aspects of digital media over the years. But one of the sort of uniting factors across all of those different roles that I've taken on has been um, data. So I probably, well, I actually started my career in an investment uh, banking in San Francisco, uh, looking at digital media companies, but then I jumped straight into Silicon Valley uh, because the lure of, of kind of working for those up and coming uh, companies was just too great. But I've worked across, you know, consumer research, strategic planning, um, uh, and then more recently sort of advertising technology and kind of more pure group data roles. Um, I've worked across a number of businesses, as I said, AOL, Disney, Telegraph, AutoTrader, so kind of some of the, the big iconic brands um, uh, globally and in the UK. 
Um, and then for ITV specifically, I joined ITV just over three years ago. And I was originally brought in um, to uh, build and lead its very first advertising data team. Uh, and in the couple of years or so that I worked in that role, um, my team and I were responsible for data partnerships, products, um, and analytics for advanced advertising. You know, really exciting times. We'll talk about Planet V in a minute. And, um, uh, you know, there was, a lot, there was a lot of really fantastic work that happened then. Um, I then moved on uh, into a, um, a group-wide role uh, for data strategy, and now we're res- now I'm responsible for um, rolling out some of those, you know, value-adding uh, data-driven ideas uh, across the whole business. So, in addition to commercial advertising, we're working with our partners, uh, business stakeholders in marketing, uh, in product, uh, on the content side distribution side, et cetera. So it's really, really exciting uh, time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and watching from the outside, um, we get that sense of excitement and, and uh, progression with the companies. I'm really looking forward to kind of getting into a bit more depth with you on, on what's going on and some of the exciting things that, that uh, are kind of coming uh, coming out of the ITV stable. Um, you also forgot to mention you, you have a, a master's in behavioral science and MBA as well. So when I say you are one of the brightest people I know, uh, you, you put me to shame. So, um, uh, oh, I don't know about that. So, <laughs> I will say something about about the the masters because um, uh, I was coming out of Silicon Valley, and um, it was you know around the time of um, you know one of the uh, sort of bubbles bursting. <laughs> I've actually lived through maybe two or three of those already. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, and I wanted to do something different. And, you know, some people were, were thinking, oh, I'll go and, um, you know, backpack across uh, Asia or take a gap year and go surfing in Australia or something like that, right? Have a bit of yep. a break from the industry. And um, what did I come up with? Ooh, a master's. I want to go do a master's in behavioral <laughs> science. That sounds like fun. Um, so, yes, I think that... <laughs> You'll probably hear throughout this podcast that I'm a little bit of a nerd, but uh, it was a, it was a great adventure. I mean, the one thing I would say about that, and we'll talk about kind of consumers in a minute, is, um, you know, it was really interesting to understand the kind of the mindset of um, society or individual consumers, because that's eventually, effectively, who we are, who we're serving and who we are. Yeah. Um, so even just taking a year out to kind of have time to reflect on some of those kind of key concepts, you know, and bringing that back into uh, my career was was actually really, really, um, really, really beneficial in the long run, I think. Yeah, it makes sense. And, anyway, yeah, it's, it's thanks, kind of... thanks for the, <laughs> the underhanded compliments there. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely a compliment. But it's it's those kind of experiences that shape us, isn't it, and, and help us uh, kind of build some perspective on on what we then do with our careers is those kind of experiences earlier on so um indeed uh, yeah i think it's a, it's a really interesting kind of uh uh element to to, to kind of your history and, and what you've done and, you know um as i look forward to hearing more about it um i'm gonna jump into some quick fire questions if that's okay just a, okay a, um fairly quick answers from you and then we can get to kind of the uh kind of deeper stuff as we go through but um talking of kind of experiences um we all come to kind of uh marketing and advertising uh, through different channels and different ways and, and different experiences. But what was your kind of earliest memory of, of kind of advertising, marketing, and um, kind of what influence did it have on you, I guess? So um, 
I, I, I've heard you ask this question of previous podcasts and I had a little think about it. And actually, I, I, this is a tough one for me to, to answer. I think, actually, advertising must have worked in a very subliminal way for me as a young person because I don't, I don't have like really vivid memories of any you know, kind of particular thing. Um, but this is the best that I can do. So when I was a young person, I was a, um, an avid dancer and I did, you know, I danced competitive, competitively uh, for many, many years, uh, uh, starting my teens. And I used to read any dance magazine that I could get my hands on. And, and, I, and there were few and far between, to be honest, because I lived in Malaysia and, and um, you know, we would get it sort of two months after the UK. Yeah. Um, but I do remember quite vividly really kind of wanting and, and all and like saving up all my, you know, kind of pocket money uh, for all the amazing things that were advertised in those, in those magazines. Right. So I guess that yeah. was, uh, you know, kind of probably my first experience with sort of targeted contextual advertising and, and the influence that it has on, um, on, uh, on kind of people. So that's yeah. the best I can do. I can't name Brilliant. any brands, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's great. And um, I didn't know you were a dancer. So maybe uh, next time we see each other, we should have a bit of a dance off. But you, you're right. That, uh, that kind of contextual placement you know, can, can really kind of... It's still a very powerful um, thing today, I, I think. A, absolutely. I mean, we, again, we'll get into this a bit more, but um, you know, the, the kind of the return of contextual with the, the evolution of the cookie, I think is a really positive thing. And, and to your point there, if, you're, if it's the right content in the right way, it does have an influence. It does have an impact. So uh, we should absolutely. celebrate that. Um, you, you gave us a little bit of a, a history of, of um, your career um, and talked about some of kind of the first jobs that you did. Um, knowing what you know now and the experiences that you've had, what would you, if you went back to kind of yourself uh, 20 odd years ago um, when you were first starting, what would you uh, kind of say to yourself? What kind of advice would you give to yourself? Oh, loads of things. Um, Apart but... from invest in Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Take the job at Google when it was offered to you early in your career. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, a few things, I think. One, um, you know, probably when I was early on in my career, I was kind of more um, introspective and reflective. Um, you know, I've always been kind of a huge learner and that's something you know being curious and and always wanting to learn and that's something that has kind of followed me you know throughout my career you know up to today but i think um what i would say to myself as a young person is you know don't be afraid to ask questions ask more questions keep asking questions um uh, i think as a young person i would i would absorb a lot and then be a lot in my mind uh, and work it out for myself whereas i think you know you can learn faster uh, when you, you know, when you're kind of more open with the questions that you have, and it can benefit other people as well. Yeah. Um, and I think along with that is, I would tell my younger self to trust, trust yourself a lot more. You know, trust your instinct, um, trust in the knowledge that you have and what you bring to the table. Um, uh, I think I learned this over time and it's something that I'm continuously working on um, but as, you know if I could talk to my younger self I would I would tell her to you know uh, to to trust her instinct uh, a lot more um, yeah and yeah. then the final one I will throw in one more because I think this is something we all don't do enough of and it took me 
a long time to figure this out, embarrassingly, um, which is don't be afraid to take breaks. So, you know, maybe it's because I was born of a generation where, um, you know, the aim was never to have gaps in your CV and just be continuously on the move and, you know, looking for, you know, new opportunities, new, new, new things to do, new ways to uh, improve yourself. Um, and it's only quite recently that I, that I, you know, that come to the realization that sometimes stopping for a little while and finding uh, new ways to re-energize um, can actually propel you forward much, much faster. So I think one of the things I would tell my younger self is, you know, don't be afraid to take those breaks, re-energize, and, you know, it will allow you to power forward. Yeah, I think that's, that's um, great advice for anybody listening um, and, you know, to be able to go back and say it to yourself. Um, you know, we, we, we get on the treadmill and we think, particularly in, in kind of fast-moving industries like, um, like media, that we have to constantly be going and going and going and going and going. And actually, it's great just to t- stop, take a breath, take a step back, be retrospective for a while and um you you can you can achieve so much by just having a little bit of of that kind of um reflection on what's happened and, and where yeah. you should be going next so i think that's and perspective that's really i think as well yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely you know we, we get caught up in the in the in the journey a bit don't we and, and forget that uh you know we, we can stop and take a breath absolutely good i think so um uh a couple more quick fire questions um okay i'll try to be quick I'm, i haven't been <laughs> no, quite i haven't fine. been quick on your quick fire it's fine i'm quick at asking that's all the that matters <laughs> um so we are a little bit as an industry at the moment obsessed with this kind of concept of identity it seems to be uh running through pretty much everything um and it can be uh even for people like you know like ourselves have been doing this for some time a hard concept to kind of uh understand in, in its entirety so in order to kind of break that down a bit and and really simplify the um what we mean if you were to have to explain to a 10 year old what do we mean by identity the concept of identity within advertising how would you describe it to a 10 year old so i've got mm. an 8 year old and a 12 year old so i guess on average i could cover them both um, although I doubt really they fully understand what mommy does. When... <laughs> yeah. I have, taught them, I have taught them to watch the ads. Have they asked uh, you, are you on telly yet? <laughs> no, they understand that I've got something to do with advertising on TV. And they don't skip ads anymore because they know uh, mommy has got something to do with the ads on TV and therefore they will sit through them, which is great. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, this is no. It's an interesting, interesting one. I, um, this is what I, I was sort of thinking about. So, if you think of a person as a pencil outline, and identity is basically coloring in layer by layer, layer everything that you know about them, until you get to the, the creation of a unique picture that is representative of the person. I think. Um, and the more char- characteristics or the more colors that you add to the picture, the more you know about them, about what makes them happy or sad or excited. Um, and as, as, you know, as a 10-year-old, as a friend, you, the more you know about, about this person, the, you know, the better potentially that friendship uh, could be. Something yep. like that. Brilliant. No, I'd love it. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great way of doing it. Uh, two more quick ones. Um, yep. 
what keeps you awake at night? Uh, box head binging. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, what's I, um, the latest? I was going to give you a TV answer, right? Um, so, well, I'll give you an ITV Hub answer as well, just to be on brand. So Absolutely. I think the most recent um, series, drama series, uh, was that I've binged on was The Thief, His Wife, and the Canoe. I don't know if you watched that, but it was just... I think- yeah, I think brilliant. my wife watched that one. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was brilliant. Very, di- very different. Uh, um, but, you know, in true kind of ITV fashion, just the way the drama unfolded, you know, just basically kept you uh, watching it right to the right to the end. Um, and then obviously the other things that I'm watching on on, a, on the other streamers as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that does keep me awake at night. But okay. professionally, I think, you know, that... I do, I do probably like many people find it quite hard to switch off my brain. Uh, it doesn't switch off when I tell it to. Um, um, I think it would be, you know, th- there's the, the near term and the long term aspect. So the near term is, you know, we are in the, in the process as a data team at ITV, uh, you know, in the process of rolling out really ambitious data strategy. And, um, you know, the things that I worry about is, uh, or keep me awake at night would be how, you know, how successful we are on that journey and how do our teams and our stakeholders, uh, you know, how are they responding and are we rolling things out in the right way so that we can get yep. the maximum impact for, for ITV. And then the longer term, it's things like, you know, contributing. Am I, you know, in my small in my small way, with my small footprint, contributing, you know, more broadly to the kind of longer term sustainability uh, of this industry. You know, what is it going to look like in years to come? Um, what is this working landscape going to look like in years to come? And is it going to be, you know, ready uh, and better for, you know, our kids, etc.? Uh, I mean, it doesn't come up every single night, but every once in a while, it yeah. pops into my dreams. Are we doing the right things today that is contributing to greater good in the future? I think that's a really interesting point. Um, and I think it's probably something that many people probably share as a, a thought process. And you know, mm. advertising and marketing can see, always seem a little bit kind of... Uh, capitalistic and you know, it doesn't really do very much but I do think uh, it, it can have a positive influence in many ways um, so yeah it's it's, uh, it's definitely uh, something that maybe on another session we can have a really in-depth chat about and yes. kind of get into the details of maybe um, one last quick fire uh, what gets you kind of uh, uh, motivated and, and ready to go in the morning um, professionally it's it's the team that I work with I call them my rock star team. Um, and this is the same for any company that I've been in, but I've got a particularly rock star team at the moment. I'm really, really blessed, actually, and proud to be working with this group of individuals. They are they are talented. Um, uh, they've come from, you know, not just from media, from uh, a range of backgrounds, a range of industries, lots of different experiences. They, they're really, really diverse. I'm so proud you know, that we've been able to assemble such a, such a team. And what that means for me, selfishly, is um, I get the chance to learn something new from them every day. 
Um, I love, I love, you know, kind of hearing their points of view. Um, they, you know, because of that diversity, they come up with loads of different ways of thinking about problems, lots of lateral thinking. Um, and I just find that inspiring, you know, it provides the adrenaline that kind of keeps, keeps you ticking along through the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having, uh, having smart people around you is, it's always such a great experience. Um, I remember somebody said to me a long time ago, if you find yourself the smartest person in the, in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Um, and surrounding yourself with people that you can learn That's from. exactly and, right. And, yeah, learn from and, and build your knowledge and experience. It's just it's such a great feeling. So um, I, I, I definitely uh, echo what you said there. As a, that's a great motivation. Right, so let's, let's jump into a bit more kind of specific uh, uh, detail around kind of data and, and um, the role of data in our uh, ecosystem. So you, you know, as you kind of rightly pointed out, uh, you've kind of weaved data and, and the use of data throughout your career. So you've had a lot of experience and knowledge um, in the various roles that you've had, and no more so than at ITV, um, you know, a very data and audience-rich company and, and a, you know, a really great platform for using that data um, uh, to kind of uh, engage with and communicate with and understand the consumers that, that you have a relationship with. So you've got a really privileged position, I think, to, um, to kind of give, give people thoughts and ideas around what they should be thinking about and what they should be uh investing in or understanding over the next kind of 12 to 18 months so if you have perhaps i don't know three things that that if you're sat in front of a brand or a, um, a media owner right now um things that you recommend they should be kind of thinking about and investing in over the next next kind of 12 18 months yeah i mean the the loads of um learnings from across the years that could you know that 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 would come in would come in here i think there's you know um constantly thinking about um the longer term vision for you know what you want to achieve as a business so always being business outcomes first and people always say that but really challenging yourself to think about where you want to be as a business in the longer term and putting in place things today to help you achieve that uh, in addition to obviously the short-term goals and the you know the, the this month's budget, this quarter's budget, this year's budget, um, but so I think I think that's really important because I I think having a, a kind of a longer range vision is really important across sort of any business function, um, uh, be that data or advertising or, or anything anything else. But when I was thinking about this, actually, the three things that that I would really stress if I was in a, you know, if, if I was in a room with, with brands or advertisers or even my kind of fellow publishers is basically one test to learn three test again. And, and I think it's all about developing an almost aggressive experimentation mindset um, to everything that you do. And that is not, it sounds like it might be a little bit contradictory to what I just said before about having a long-term vision, but in fact, I don't think it is. I think it's important to set that long-term vision and objectives as a bit of trajectory, but then how you get there is all about that experimentation mindset that you take, you know, that you take on on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis with those, with that trajectory in mind. Um you know, I think as in, in an industry like ours that's changing so rapidly, you know, in just the last, you know, kind of few years, um, 
I think the primary skills of value for marketeers, advertisers, publishers, everyone in this industry is curiosity and humility. Like, you know, just being open, being curious to new ways of doing things and, and, and be willing to try and fail. And then the humility of sort of realizing that the way that you've always done things and the way that you think, you know, things should be done may not be right anymore and most likely isn't right anymore. And that's where, you know, that's where things like getting inspiration from, um, you know, kind of kind of younger, uh, early, earlier stage uh, uh, members of your team um, coming from different industries, coming from diverse backgrounds you know, approaching all of those different ideas with some humility means that you're always going to be open to this experimentation mindset, I think. So, yeah, if I, you know, the three things are really one thing, test, learn, and test again, and just keep an open uh, kind of experimentation mindset. That's the way we're going to move forward, I think, in this industry. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, I think a lot of people listening will probably, uh, will probably, uh, listen to that and think that sounds great, but it's, um, I'm worried about that kind of test and learn process. I don't feel confident doing it. Um, I, I completely agree with you. I think you know, we're in a wonderful time where um, you know, there's huge opportunities ahead of us, but I think people might get quite nervous. So just to kind of follow up on that, you know, um, how would you advise people kind of approach that? Is it just a case of jump in and just try stuff? Or is it a case of try and follow a kind of a pattern or an agreed or uh, established kind of process or um, good question. I think there's a few, there's a few different ways. Um, when it comes to data, you know, some companies would be in a more, a stronger position than others, depending on the types of data sets and the volume of data sets that they have. So it's, it's easy to say, you know, take a, take a, a, a test and learn approach but if you don't have the infrastructure, your data is not in the right place. Um, you don't have, you know, it's difficult to to establish partnerships that will enable you to test and learn. Then um, I can see how it's, you know, it could be really uh, daunting. Daunting, yeah, daunting, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and and I I fully understand that, but I think maybe the the fear or the reticence. Uh, or the kind of disbelief maybe in the ability in in the ability to take on test and learn as a mindset um, maybe comes from people sort of thinking that you have to go all or nothing with it uh, that you know you have this has to be a a culture that you know influences everything you do as an organization but really what it can be is kind of finding the pockets in what you do where you can start to do things a little bit differently. And if that is just one project out of the 20 that you do in a year, uh, one campaign out of the 50 that you run every, every month, um, you know, looking for partners um, like ITV <laughs> that have innovation, um, uh, you know, uh, programs that you can be part of where we try to make it as easy as possible for our customers to to test and learn with us and take advantage of our large data sets um, 
you know, I think it's, it's, you, you have to find a way to kind of dip your toe in the water and you can build from there. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and that may be initially, at least, uh, if, if your culture is not necessarily one that can change overnight, as most of, most of ours aren't, it's, it's proactively reaching out to partners that can, that can help you with that process on a you know, small basis to start. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess the underlying message there is it's got to start somewhere. So um, pick something, even if it's small, and, and, and give it a go and, and, and be confident yeah. and be brave with it. Yeah, don't, you know, don't ever let, you know, quest for perfection stop you from starting <laughs> something, right? I mean, yeah, this absolutely. is a theme. This is a theme in our industry. You know, how many conferences have we been to where, you know, people say, oh, Measurement will never figure out measurement, and I and you know, or, or whatever it is, insert uh, theme. And you know, my pushback to that always is, well, you're not going to solve it <laughs> if you're putting, you know, putting this on like uh, turning into a massive problem and putting it on a pedestal that nobody can even touch. You know, what you actually need to do is, which I think many in our industry are are doing, is kind of chipping away at it and, you know, and then coming together and sharing our learnings and kind of figure out what works and what doesn't work, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If we get scared about some of these big challenges, then um, uh, we convince ourselves that it's too difficult to solve, then, yeah, yeah, you know, self-fulfilling, really. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, we talked uh, earlier uh, about how to explain to a 10-year-old about identity. Um so to touch on identity again, you know, identity ultimately means people um, and it means yes. consumers, it means customers, it means uh, people that we want to engage with. So two questions that, that I want to kind of get your thoughts and, and views on when it comes to, to, to kind of customers and consumers. The first one is um, you know, we're in this kind of evolving landscape where we know more, we can capture more, we can use more. Um, there's a great opportunity for collecting information about, uh, about consumers um, but rightly so, there's now also this kind of growth of um, consumer awareness and privacy challenges and, and concerns and controls that exist. So how do you think, question number one, how do you think that's impacting the industry? What kind of challenges do you think that things like regulation and consumer awareness are going to have on what we do and how we go about doing it? And then the second part of that is, um, why is it important? Why does it matter that we care about this stuff? Why does it matter that... Uh, the, the business decisions we make are uh, are influenced by how we talk to and engage with our customers. It might seem like an obvious question, but I'm I'm keen to kind of get your thoughts and maybe an ITV view on on what on what you do uh, around kind of consumer engagement when it comes to things like privacy. So, kind of first and foremost, consumer privacy or our viewer privacy and secure and, and the security of their data is absolute paramount, right? So as a data owner, we have a direct relationship with our customers, consumers, the viewers. We have a responsibility for the 34, 35 million uh, records that we hold on our, uh, uh, about our viewers. Our viewers trusted us, right? They trust us to provide them with the best possible user experience, uh, the best possible content, in exchange for registering with our products and services and providing us with some of their information. And you have to hold that value exchange like sacrosanct, right? It is, it is a contract 
and it needs to be treated with respect. So as a data team, for example, I mentioned that we're in, in the process of rolling out an ambitious new data strategy. And part of that is, you know, completely re-architecting our kind of data platforms, you know, from foundations all the way up to actual activation and, and delivery uh, into the business. And what I mean by that is we are completely mindful about every model, every pipe, every data source, every partner that we use um, uh, as we go about building that architecture. So we are security by design, we are privacy by design, and we are you know, value and outcomes focused by design. So we would never hold um, data that we don't plan to use in a respectful way to create value for the business. There's just no point in that. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's against regulation, et cetera. So I think, you know, that is, um, that, that is just, that is, that's just completely paramount. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we, you know, people talk about data being gold, oil, whatever it is. Um, and in one way, that's right, but not if it's in the format that is one, completely untouchable, and two, definitely used in the wrong way, and three, not used in the context of, in, in a collaborative context with, you know, other data sets or kind of other players in the ecosystem, right? So data has a huge potential to drive value across the business. But I think that value needs to be realized through better interactions and engagement with viewers. So coming back to your questions, why, why, why are consumers important? It does seem obvious, um, but we, we tend to forget that consumers are part of this, um, part, of the eco, part of this ecosystem of data, right? They, yeah. they need to be seen, consumers need to be seen um, as one of the key beneficiaries of this data economy that we're building, that we're working in, not just as a source. Yep. When you think about them as just as a source, and you you know it's just a privacy regulation, etc. When you think about them as one of the beneficiaries, key beneficiaries of the data economy, then all of a sudden it's well, how do we, as we're thinking about value that this data can derive for our business, how do we? deliver that in such a way that the consumer benefits from it equally or as well, right? Yep. Or, or as part of the journey towards the, the commercial value. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, consumers need to be, they need to sit at the heart of, uh, of everything that we do because they're, they're the knowledge, they're the insight, they're the value. We've got to treat them with, with that huge amount of respect and, and, and understanding. For many businesses. <laughs> No consumers means no yeah. business, right? At the end yeah. of the yeah, day, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we talk at Infosum about um, you know, the, the opportunity of data and the challenge of data is that uh, we, we're kind of in a world now where we've got this seesaw, and on one side of the seesaw, we've got privacy, and on the other side, we've got performance. And in a world of, of particularly third party cookies, which I'm, we're not going to touch on much today, but particularly third party cookies, there was an imbalance there because third party cookies were just easy to use. They were a Swiss army knife for the internet. You know, we didn't have to think too much about what they meant and how we use them, et cetera. It just answered all the questions. As we move to a world, you know, ITV is a great example where you're rich in kind of first party consumer data at kind of a personal level. 
getting that balance right between ensuring that privacy, that privacy by design, consumers are the heart of what you do, but still driving business business performance. And I I, I suspect and 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 uh, imagine that there are times when you know, some difficult decisions are made about that balance, um, and sometimes you're making decisions that aren't necessarily in the best interest of the commercial outcome. They're in the interests of the consumer relationship. I know that's exactly right. And I think, you know, going back to what I said earlier about having a longer term vision for the business outcomes that you're driving means that you are you're thinking about these benefits over the long term. So if you're only looking at kind of commercial value in the next, I don't know, a few years, then you might think only of the profits or the, the monetization that you can achieve today, this year, next year. But if you think about it as a, you know, uh, as a, as an investment into current and future success, then all of a sudden you're not going to forget those other elements of the ecosystem that you need to nurture, right? Yeah. We work in an environment that is codependent, right? Uh, uh, and you know, if you piss off your consumers at some point you know, yep. you're going to stop having them. And then all of a sudden, where, where, where's your longevity? Where's your sustainability as a business? Uh, so I agree. But also just, just to drop in the, 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 the sort of partnership we have with Infosum, you know, I think the fact that we are approaching our data architecture with, with that security, privacy, value by design, I think it's really important to us, you know, in the selection of the partners and suppliers that we work with, you know, the, 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 there is there's an element of of systematizing trust which i think data clean rooms um generally and for some in particular for us you know really enables right because trust is something that uh is obviously crucial for all of these different players to to interact together but it's very hard to do without a system in place that enables us to do it um so, you know, it's really important for us to work with suppliers that kind of have this sort of mindset, you know, and they, they understand where we're coming from and where we need to get to and are, you know, providing us the capabilities that allow us to fulfill, fulfill that. And obviously our partnership with InfoSum has been uh, amazing in enabling, you know, some of the really ambitious things that we want to do, but in a way that respects the, the, the principles that we have around, you know, respecting our user data. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear. Clearly, I'm biased, and, and you know, I, I think InfoSum is a great uh, solution in that space. But, but broadly, I, you know, uh, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, consumers are much more aware of their data. They're much more in tune with the value of their data. They're much more um, conscious of protecting data and their identity. And it's just, it's just a shift. You know, whether it's generational or awareness or whatever it is, it's, it, it, it becomes you know almost the first thing you have to get right, and everything else builds off that. Um, and it's such a juxtaposition to uh, ten years ago when we were first doing this with with third party cookies, where it just wasn't it wasn't a thing. We didn't really care about it, you know. Um, so I think it's a really positive change for the industry, albeit bringing with it a lot of change, a lot of scratching of heads. And you know, to your point about measurement, you know, uh, measurement without third party cookies is very different, and we can't just wash, rinse, repeat on what we used to do. We have to think of new ways of doing it. So we absolutely have to. I mean. We were riding a, a wave that was going to end at some point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So there was, there was so. no long-term vision in that, unfortunately. Um, but it really is an opportunity for us to, to rethink. And we shouldn't be 
you know, almost bringing with us the baggage of expectations of what we used to be able to do with cookies, because half of that we should never have been able to do, you know, exactly. if, we, if we were to really yeah. challenge ourselves, right? Yeah, we did it exactly. because we could. You know, it was there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe we didn't, we weren't reflecting really on <laughs> what we were doing. Um, so it's almost like, let's clean slate this, you know, and what it is that what is it that we're really go back to what it, what is it we're really trying to achieve as an industry as a particular business as as brands as publishers etc um and then work with the tools and capabilities that we do have in order to achieve that and it's probably a good time to take a bit of a reset anyway do we really yeah. need to to you know kind of be following you know people around with cookies and and knowing everything about them yeah probably no, absolutely you know, we'd use 50%, 20% <laughs> yeah. of, of that data in a useful way to really drive business value and outcomes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So with that kind of clean state or reset or how we want to kind of position it, um, I'm, I'm genuinely excited because I'm, I'm like you, I'm a bit of a closet nerd and, and actually quite like what we do as an industry from a, from a kind of a, a process and, and the kind of mechanics of it. Um one thing that really excites me about the use of, of first-party data, again, ITV is such a great position with the, the strong kind of authenticated audience you have, 35 million across the UK. Um, it opens up a world of opportunities around partnerships and collaborations that perhaps didn't exist before. So um, if you were kind of looking at that and going, in, in an ideal world, this is what I'd like to do. What, what are some of those kind of collaborations? What are some of those kind of um, partnerships and, and opportunities for working together that you'd like to see, whether that's industry-based, whether that's outcomes-based or... What would, you, uh, what would you like to see in the future? Sure. I think first thing I'll say is we've been really fortunate in the, you know, the, the types of partners that really engaged with us since we launched our data matching capabilities, right? Um, we've been running our data match program, running on, uh, proposition rather, running on InfoSum for almost a year and a half. Uh, and we were definitely doing sort of MVPs with a number of partners even before that. So we're probably all in all about two two years or so into this. Um, and we've had, you know, uh, a really nice mix across uh, of, of, of brand partners across multiple industries, um, financial services, retail, uh, consumer goods, you know, it goes on and on. We've worked with uh, smaller direct-to-consumer brands. We've worked with kind of uh, larger uh, bricks-and-mortar brands. Um, and, you know, it's just given us a real breadth of learning, uh, um, you know, across all of that. And uh, in the spirit of test and learn, making our proposition better and better for the future. Um, kind of ideal collaboration partners for us. I mean, they've all been great, but the ones that kind of where it's really, really worked well are working with brands and suppliers actually uh, that are progressive and forward thinking again in that experimentation mindset, right? And are comfortable yep. thinking about what they're trying to achieve uh, for their brands and for their business outcomes in longer term. So in, in practical terms, what I mean is working with a brand that is not just going, okay, yeah, I'm going to do data match uh, for one campaign around a particular event um, and stop and stop there. Uh, the, the ideal partners are the ones that go, um, I've got an innovation roadmap in mind. This is where I'm trying to go with my business. Let's 
let's test and learn on an iterative process, an iterative basis over the course of a year. And we run campaign after campaign, you know, continue to rebook, learning from the previous campaign, putting the learnings into the next one, and just kind of, you know, making making it better uh, uh, through that process of iteration. So I think there's a lot more we can do with with our brand uh, brand partners on that basis, and you know we really welcome the opportunity to do that. In terms of where else, I think where else I can see data collaboration really having an impact on the industry. I think it's around kind of using our combined data sets to create more and better media intelligence. Um, you know, going back to that sort of chipping away at the measurement conundrum, um, I'm not. Well, I'm, I'm not talking about like all of us pull our data together and we create this concept of a unified, you know, measurement one one measurement to solve everything. That's complex, but also too simplistic a way to think about you know what we're doing in this industry. I think it's like how can we use our data sets together so that we can kind of create. Um, uh, a more holistic picture of our audiences, how they're engaging with us, the different consumer touch points, uh, life, lifetime, you know, life cycle, uh, consumer journeys, um, and all of that can be used from in a media perspective. All of that can be used to 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 plan campaigns, to run campaigns, to execute campaigns, to learn and iterate on campaigns, optimize much better. You know, so how do we bring panel research uh, data into the mix alongside first-party data, second-party data, third-party data, um, offline? Uh, you know, how do we bring all of those things together in a collaborative way, in a way that you know, through systematized trust, um, so that we can paint a much richer picture of of uh, event, you know, our consumers, um, and 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 serve them best not only from a media or an advertising perspective, but also from a, you know, a, a user experience and content experience uh, perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to put that kind of into a bit of a um, uh, context of, of what I should be doing with my data, um, you know, I hear a lot of, uh, a lot of our partners at the moment talking about how can customer data play a role right across what I'm doing? Not just, you know, it's, people think about customer data in advertising, they think about targeting ads, and actually it's, it's, it's significantly more than that. It's insights, it's learnings, it's intelligent planning, it's um, intelligent buying. Now, how do I suppress audiences to make other buys more effective? It's obviously, it's measurement and analysis and, and working kind of multi-party ways of understanding the impact of what I'm doing and the outcomes I want to achieve. So one thing I get stupidly excited about because I am a nerd, is is how can we, how can customer data influence right across that journey and make the whole process better? Not just kind of the specifics of hey, let's just go and show some customers some ads. You know, it's it's the whole process of enrichment, creating value, creating experiences that that uh, really do improve the relationships that we have with consumers and the value and the outputs that we can we can generate. I, I like you, I'm a nerd, and you know what what really it's excites not, it's not me. Not telling anybody. <laughs> We just told how many people are listening to this, <laughs> yeah. like my mom and a few other people, probably. Um, no, I'm I'm 100% with you on kind of what makes, you know, what makes me excited about what we can do with all of this, right? It's, um, you know, for example, at ITV, how can we use the data and the 
collaborative aspects of um, you know data data sharing data enablement that spans every business area that contributes to the consumer journey. So if you think about advertising, it's almost right at the end. Um, how can we use data, our data alongside, you know, data potentially from uh, kind of um, Barb or, you know, data from other data sources so that we can inform um, the content that we're developing or commissioning uh, or acquiring yeah. um, so that we ensure that we are investing in uh, programming that will really, you know, kind of excite and engage our viewers. Um, then you go into marketing, right? So we've got, you know, we've got this, this amazing archive and, 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 uh, uh, and new se new series and new programs coming to ITV. How do we use data, our data, and our data in conjunction with other data sets to ensure that we are continuously attracting, you know, audiences that will engage with that content, right? Yeah. And then you move on to product experience. So you've got all this, you know, kind of great content. You've got an amazing kind of acquisition channel that's driven by data. Um, how do you ensure that when those when that audience lands, they're having a fantastic experience, they're having a personalized experience, they are you know being able to easily find what it is that they're looking for, so they can enjoy this great content, um, and then off the back of it comes the advertising, you know. Yeah. And so again, it's just like using our data, but at different points, collaborating with other data sets that kind of joins up that entire journey with an amazing feedback loop so that we can keep making that cycle better and better every time. That's yeah. the stuff. That's the stuff that, of, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what gets you excited. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes, and and yeah. just on that, you know, um, we kind of touched a bit on creativity there, aren't we? Is there anything out there at the moment that ITV are doing or, or planning or, or, or considering that because it has made you kind of stop and go, wow, that is, that's really special. That's, that's, you know, uh, so, that's really innovative or, amazing or pick a, pick an adjective so one of the um programs itv uh programs that so not not program as in um uh content but um initiatives rather that itv have uh you know have had going for a couple of years now is is studios 55 and this is where we invite um startup companies really early very very early stage companies with with really interesting ideas uh around how we can engage more with um you know how to reach viewers younger viewers uh in in new and innovative ways uh you know using some of our content using some of our ip or leveraging the power of our data and there's there's just been i've been involved uh uh this year with two companies in in the sort of pipeline early stages as a as a advisor and mentor and um, there's just some really really exciting ideas so last year for example when this program ran we ended up investing in three companies one one of them is um uh kind of operates as a, in the metaverse uh, uh and since then, we've done loads of really interesting work with them to start to introduce our brands, our our talent, um, uh, you know, the the content experiences that you get, you know, kind of, uh, you know, on TV or, or or streaming as normal, but in a, you know, engaging with our customers, uh, viewers in a brand new way. 
Yeah. And there's just so much more of that that we that you know that we can do. And this this program is really kind of opening up our eyes to the art of the possible. Okay, great. I mean, it's a super exciting time. Um, you know, right across the spectrum. So. Um, uh, really looking forward to what's coming from ITV, what's coming broadly from the industry and, and your your influence on it, which is going to be great. So uh, we're almost up on time. So two last quick questions. Um, I'm going to ask you to, to get your crystal ball out and uh, oh. give me just a quick line on if we were to roll forward perhaps 12 months from now, what do you think, if we had this conversation in 12 months, what do you think the things we would be talking about are or you know, what kind of opportunities or partnerships might be unlocked in, in kind of that, that, that time, that 12-month time? And then the last question will be once you've... Uh, you've had a crack at uh, predicting the future is um, this podcast is all about um, you know, people in the industry who have a role in data and uh, have a story to tell and kind of pioneers. So um, who would you like us to perhaps uh, talk about next or interview next? Oh, my crystal ball. Um, some days it's a bit foggy in my crystal ball. <laughs> um, a year from now, I'd like, to see some of the, you know, I would hope that a lot of the kinks of the kind of early, these early stages of, of kind of putting the foundations in place for data collaboration, I'm hoping that will be mostly behind us and we will really be in the mode of kind of using it and actively testing and figure out what works, right? I think, I think that's, you know, that that's that's the real hope. That's what we're, we're all kind of aiming for and kind of proactively working on, like how do we make this process much, much easier to engage with um, on all fronts, we, you know, kind of the legal front, the technical front, um, and, and the people and process side of things as well, which is absolutely huge. Um, once we can do that, then the things I would really like to see us make progress on is, you know, how do we bring that, the we talked a little bit about creative, how do we start to use this data collaborative space to understand and optimize for the impact of creative and all of this? We're still thinking about users and yep. you know uh technology uh, data points etc but you know this is a this at its heart it's a creative industry so we really not need to start to bring the creative aspect into this collaboration and more than just dynamic creative optimization etc yep. but kind of really how are we, yeah storytelling how are we informing our decisions from a creative perspective and making yep. sure we speak to our users in a good way so that would be that would be huge for me um, in terms of um, uh, who sh you should be inviting next, so my first my first thought, because I this is one I you know sort of was preparing for as well, was Karen Eccles at the Telegraph. But then I, I looked through your list, and you have already <laughs> spoken to her, and I listened she to was, her. She was great. Her podcast, and um, and she was great, uh, uh, which is not to say don't invite you know you must oh, invite she, her back. Oh, she, right? she can come back absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, um, you know, I'd love to hear from, you know, there's so many luminaries in our, in our industry. One person that jumps to mind is Mary Keen Dawson. So, you know, and, and maybe thinking about identity with a bit more of a future lens. You know, she talks very eloquently and knowledgeably around, you know, kind of blockchain and NFTs yeah. and how that might start to, sh not, not in, a, in a kind of, um, you know, faddy sort of way, but you know, there, there, there's a lot around that and what that could mean for how we think about identity going uh, forward into the future. That could Absolutely. be really interesting, I think. Yeah, and she's such a lovely person to speak to as well. So I think it's a really good, uh, really good suggestion. So uh, watch this space. 
Um, thank you, Laura. It remains just to say thank you very much for, for taking the time and, and sharing so much with us today. You know, it's, it's great to hear your story and your experiences. You know, I think we can all learn from um, you know, what you've experienced, your approach to things, the test and learn, the be brave. I think it's all really great uh, insights and, and ways of working. You're, you're clearly doing some great stuff at ITV, and, and I certainly look forward to seeing some of the output of that over the kind of 12, 18 months ahead. Um, I think we've also learned that you, you're a a very good dancer so uh next time we're together i, did, I never said very good <laughs> you said you did it a lot so uh we shall see um so i'm gonna have to it challenge doesn't you necessarily correlate <laughs> i'm gonna challenge your statistics there brilliant well maybe next time we see each other we'll have to have a little bit of a dance off and just uh prove that out maybe we'll record it and stick it up on uh on online for oh dear it's <laughs> good but thank you very much really appreciate your time lovely to speak to you and uh um look forward to seeing great success in the future Thank you. And thanks as well to all of the teams at InfoSum that have been working so closely with us over the last couple of years. Um, I think we've achieved a lot and there's a lot more, uh, a lot more to come. No pressure, but there's a lot more to come. <laughs> Brilliant. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks again to Lara for joining us on Identity Architects. As predicted, an insightful and thought-provoking conversation. And I think Lara's description of identity to a 10-year-old might be one of my favorites we've ever had. All that leads for me to do is remind you to hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode of Identity Architects lands. But until then, thanks for listening.